What up, everybody? Whoa, Oasis <laughs> Podcast. If you jumped into this podcast, we know you you're are welcome. You're, yeah, they, we're not what? playing here. We've got a weird topic for most people, but you still clicked on it, so you chose to be here. We did not force you to listen to this one, and we I, unlike I, other weeks where you have to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's probably some people out there who are like probably. I gotta listen every week, but you still chose to listen to this one. So we're not we're not gonna do the mixer question topic idea Witty banter. Yeah, we're not gonna do the banter just because. I mean, we're just gonna we're gonna do the topic. We're gonna get you some information. We're gonna tell you what the Bible says about some of this stuff, and we hope you just learn. And what's, we the, ho- what's this stuff, Brennan? This stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Pornography. Boom. Yeah, we're talking about it. Starting around the word. Yeah. Was I? <laughs> no one ever said it. It's like, let's just say it. Oh, okay. Sweet. It's, it's on it the title. You read yep. it. We are talking about porn. So Perfect. Okay. Before we get too far, yeah. let's set a foundation for why we're, this is a conversation. Like, why have we chosen to talk about pornography? Yeah. And then, like, what's... What's like the root of this? Yeah, I mean, culturally, we recognize in general, I've heard it once said that porn is the wallpaper of our society. It is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also like the random quote of like, I couldn't, I can't define it for you, but I can, I know it when I I see it. it. Uh. Like that classic (laughs) thing. But the reality is cultural. And and I think even in the church, one, we skirt around it because we don't think it's that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. So we're talking specifically about porn because it is a big deal and we'll show you why. But also the reality is pornography is the result of something that is deeper. This is really a sex issue. Yeah. What we would love to do is have a pot, and we will, and we've talked about this before, just give you this idea of like what are actual, like what's God's design for sexuality. And what's beautiful is we'll point to scripture as we go through this, but we want to specifically talk about porn because it is a big deal. What it does to you physiologically, emotionally, mentally, sex in general is not just a physiological need that needs to be met. It incorporates every aspect of who we are as a person. Again, we will talk about this and why porn distorts Mm -hmm. the idea of sex and what that means for us. Um, And so- Right off the bat, obviously, and then scripture tells us like sexual immorality, how to keep away from that. Scripture gives us a good definition of of what uh, God's design for sexuality is. And we're going to go right to 1 Corinthians 6 and read this automatically. And it says this, verses 12 through 20, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And specifically, contextually, is saying, yes, food consumption, but also sexuality. Mm-hmm. So to honor God with our bodies in sex is to recognize there's there's boundaries. God has set a design for us that are for our good and his glory. In that, porn distorts it. Hmm. And so it is important to know what it does. Anyway, there's a lot that could be said there. but No, it's so good. And that becomes our base text for what we're about to discuss about pornography. Because if you don't understand that 
sexual immorality is viewed wrongly in the eyes of God. If you don't understand Paul here as he's writing through this letter to the Corinthians that he's referencing back to the age of Genesis 2.24 of Matthew and Mark when Jesus talks about sexual immorality in Ephesians 5.31 when he talks about the two will become one flesh and he's describing the union of marriage that is the God's design for sexuality. If we don't understand that, we, we lose the rest of it. Because it, again, reverts back to this idea, it's just the physical need that my body has that I'm expressing. And you're not, I don't feel like you're too far off base in believing that because that's what our culture and, and people are trained to yeah. think. And so the Christian idea, the, the God's design becomes the, I mean, it's the opposite of that in some ways. It, it teaches so much deeper into and it's something we have to again be trained back into. And, so, and, and sex is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like we all have been given a sex drive. That's a reality. So don't feel shame for having this drive and need within you for sex. It's just there's a reality of context and mm-hmm. boundaries that God has created for our, again, for our benefit, for our good. And porn distorts, confuses, and destroys. And I think it's an aspect and tactic of the enemy, which we'll get through how and a lot of the facts that we're going to spit out of of thinking that sexual immorality or sex outside of God's design isn't that big of a deal. Well, I think that's an interesting point because it's like, it is a design, like in us there's a design, but it's different for everybody. So the idea of Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 saying, if you burn with lust, then yeah. you should get married. Yeah. Like that is obviously addressing that this is a greater issue for some than others. That's good. Mm-hmm. And culture, and oftentimes the church unfortunately labels that as males, that mm-hmm. Paul is yeah. telling hey, only males will struggle with this issue. You will consistently see in the the research that's been done as well as some of the verses and things will point at that this is not just a male issue but some people will struggle greater than others so you Mm -hmm. could be listening and be like I've never had the urge to watch pornography like I've never done that and then that would be like praise God that you don't Mm -hmm. have that urge but there is someone on the other Mm -hmm. end of this podcast who is I've been there I've struggled I'm still struggling I found victory I haven't I'm fighting Mm -hmm. and so before we dive even farther deeper into it if you're interested in why this is such a big issue and why we've decided to give it its own podcast we wanted to just throw there's gonna be a lot of facts in this podcast but we wanted to throw some just kind of fast facts at you real quick to show the consumption and how big of a deal this is yeah yeah so in 2015 uh, 4.3 billion hours of porn porn was watched on one single website that's 500,000 years worth of watching of porn um even more so 84 percent of 14 to 18 year old boys um have seen porn and 57 percent of 14 to 18 year old girls have seen porn so again not just a male issue it's actually that number is probably it's increased probably, i think it's low. quite a bit i think that number is um, low mm-hmm. yeah but 75 percent of parents think their children haven't seen porn when 55 53% think their children have. No, no, no. That that's that oh. actually. I should have wrote it better. Those same parents, their children were surveyed. And oh. so 75%, 3 out of 4 parents said my ch- my child hasn't watched porn. But over but half over of half those, half same, those same families. Those same oh, families same said they, they had. Okay. Sorry, that I should have wrote sense. it better. No, you're good. How dare you? Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> giving me bad facts. <laughs> uh, but a, a pretty recent survey just done last year in 2020 shows that a majority of kids are exposed by age 13 and some even as young as 7. Um and today's porn sites receive more website traffic in the U.S. than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. So this is pretty significant. It's that, affecting it's a insane. lot of people. That stat right there is crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, think of all of the people who use Twitter and Instagram and Netflix in a day. Like, yeah. all of those people, if you combine those along with Pinterest and LinkedIn, mm-hmm. they don't even come to the hits and the traffic that is on yeah. porn sites. Yeah. That is insane. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, out of this, the next thing we want to launch into is just talking about some of the harms of pornography. And so, there's a resource out there that all of you can go. It's completely free. It's a, uh, it's a nonprofit organization called Fight the New Drug. And there's an interesting side of Fight the New Drug that it's actually not religiously affiliated. Um, I think it's based out of Utah. And so, there's this organization that is completely done based on scientific research and fact. These ideas and these studies have been conducted, and they've been an organization that's kind of put it all together and gone farther than almost any other organization to fight this idea. And they've provided... um, Uh, apparel they do a lot of advertising merch stuff they do like uh, speakers and programs and they host stuff and so they do a ton and so on their website is where we got 95 percent of this idea and so one of the harms that we're going to start with we're just going to shoot out a, a couple of them is it's pornography can be very difficult to quit So I commonly will meet with people who they'll understand, they'll start to understand because I I feel like we don't want to be ignorant that some people just don't understand pornography is wrong. But once they do, they're like, oh, I really want to quit. But Fight the New Drug as well as any other pornography organization will tell you that there is the possibility of addiction when it comes to pornography. So there's 35 neuroscience-based studies that have used a variety of brain imaging technologies like the MRI, the fMRI, the EEG, and many more that support the idea that porn uh, addiction is possible. So they say it's still not very likely that people are addicted to porn in chemically in their bind, mind, but it is possible and it's increasing as people use it more. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, it becomes difficult to quit because it functions like a drug in our brains, even if we're not addicted to it. So like a drug, whenever you take it, there, you want more of it, you want it more often, and you want more hardcore versions of it. So that's why they say marijuana is a gateway drug. You can have that debate. I've seen it happen in lots of friends. So it is, you, you have this idea that you've experimented with something, that something can lead you to something else, and you want it more, you want it often, and then you want to try more of it. And porn works the same way. Which is what goes back to the addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Because yeah. here's what happens. And we're just going to get into this real quick. When you have sex and it's not just having sex with another person. It's like when ejaculation happens, what happens in something happens in your brain. There is a, a releasable dopamine and oxytocin. And dopamine is that chemical that says like, I want more of that. And oxytocin is the hormone that induces bonding. Hmm. So what happens in that is you are being bonded with whatever is happening when you ejaculate and it's saying I, and because dopamine is being released chemicals getting released into your body create but the potential addiction it's why it works like a drug because something is happening mentally in your brain that is connecting you to that act and so like it's just important to recognize what is happening when you are having sex yeah and, and people will say well this isn't a new issue Like, pornography's been around forever. Like, people had magazines way back in the day or they were able to look at pictures or they... 
However, when this website organization labels themselves fight the new drug, they recognize that when pornography became digitalized and it became video access and it was on websites rather than in magazines, it completely changed the game and the stimuluses that our brains were being fed. And that's why they label it as a new drug and not a consistent pattern of something. And this is all brand new research that's happening in the last decade or so, or even maybe two decades because of how par- how prominent it's becoming. So otherwise, really, when it comes down to this idea of it being like a drug, there's research, again, back on what Ben was saying about these chemicals that pornography can change the makeup of the brain. Um, like a drug, the frontal lobe is often shrunk when we, when we practice things that are using these and abusing these chemicals. So the idea of addiction comes from the shrunken center of the frontal lobe, which controls logical problem solving and decision making. So there was these German researchers that recently just found out and did a study and they associated the number of por- hours of pornography that someone watches each, each week correlates to less gray matter in their brains. And gray matter is that darker tissue of the brain in the spinal cord that consists mainly of nerve cell bodies and branching dendrites. And in these, this gray matter is associated with that decision-making and intelligence. So not only is the frontal lobe being changed, but there's also this gray matter that's being altered and it's affecting not only people's um, view of sexuality, but their actual physical makeup and decision-making and intelligence. So then back to where we started this idea of this harm, Oftentimes, people say, okay, I get it's bad, but I'll quit here. I'll quit when I get married. I quit when I get in a significant relationship. I'll quit when I'm 30. I'll quit next year. And then they get to that period, and it's really, really hard for them to quit. Like I, I'm, People will get into marriages, and they're just like, I, I cannot quit. I don't know why. I just feel like I still have this urge. I still have this this problem. And it might not be an addiction, but it's something they repeatedly are patterned into. And so we want you to recognize that it's not tomorrow that this needs to be addressed, but rather today because of how difficult it can be to quit. Yeah. Another harm? I, we, I, we could stay on that forever. <laughs> no, just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Oh, man. Poor, yeah, Go so the ne- next harm is just poor mental health outcomes. There's a lie in watching pornography and masturbation that it's a relief. It's like I get a release, and therefore because there's instant gratification, there – it is a relief of stress uh, and I can unable to relax, which again, an instant and in a moment that may be the reality, but overall what you're doing is harm to yourself. Um, and so in that, and, and Brent, you can speak this, it hurts one relationships in general and it fuels loneliness. Cause, and I'm going to talk about, and this relates to when I get serious about marriage and I'll quit when I get married, then I'll quit. Mm-hmm. Well, masturbation communicates that relationship is not needed in the context of just sex in general. Mm. Pornography communicates, and we'll get to this, that it's okay to exploit and objectify and devalue people. Mm. And so if I'm doing that, even though I have lied, in my opinion, we've lied to ourselves thinking that is it is an immediate relief. I'm able to relax. I'm able to get rid of stress. You're, what you're doing is hurting long, immediate relationships and long-term, just v- how you view relationships mm-hmm. in general. Um, and so, I don't know, the idea of doing things they aren't proud of and hiding them from from other people talking, speaking to them. Yeah, it just becomes this idea of not many people are overly proud of their porn use. Yeah. They might not think it's a huge deal. It's becoming a norm, though, to be okay with it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it, it really yeah, is. Yeah, it really is. Like, so, he, yeah. It, but, but it becomes this idea of we don't often just, like, 
Christian circles. Let's definitely Christian. Okay, that's so. Let's do that. Let's do like people are like sitting in small group, being like, "Yo, you should check out this video I watched last night." Like that's. I hope that's not happening, but that's still a reality that people are are struggling with, and so it hurts relationships. We don't feel like we can be fully transparent. We can't be open with people, especially those that are closest to us, because we have this struggle or this thing that that's deeming us, and we feel like we're unworthy, we're broken, we're struggling with this, and it fuels loneliness because we can't step into full transparency and love and openness with people, and that's where this idea of confession can come in and be so powerful for the Christian. Is confession steps in and it says James 5.16 is true. Therefore, confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And when we are open to open ourselves up to those who we can trust and love, whether that's one or a couple people who, who love Jesus and want to walk alongside you, that doesn't bring you more stress and anxiety. That doesn't bring you greater sadness or loneliness. That gives you freedom. That gives you love because someone sees you in your brokenness and your struggle and they're willing to pray with you and walk with you through that. And so what what the enemy meant, means to isolate or to hurt us, we can turn around and find freedom in it in, in Jesus and connect deeper in community, which I feel is beautiful. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, furthering on that conversation about how uh, pornography use um, has negative outcomes for our relationships is that it impacts our love and our intimacy with others. And so just in general, as people, we desire connection um, and we'll find it any way we can. And porn gives us... Um, kind of temporary hit of what we desire in relationships. And often we think that sexuality is the only type of intimacy there is. Yeah. But sexual intimacy is only one aspect of intimacy. So and platonic intimacy is sometimes almost even greater. Yeah. Um, but, but in that process of when we continually seek that intimacy out in places where it's not meant to, fa- to be found in, in videos and in, in self-pleasure, um, it harms our relationship with other people, um, whether that's because we're hiding it as a secret, but even um, in marriage, um, there's like um, in, in marriages and couples where one or both or whichever um, members has participated in or continues to participate in uh, pornographic use, there's an increased likelihood of infidelity by like over 300%, mm-hmm. which is really significant that like you almost consistently see infidelity. I mean, 300% is pretty pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even sometimes people think, well, yeah, going back to that concept of I'll stop when I have a spouse, but that process hurts your current or your future spouse. Um, Because often sometimes I think our culture has fed us this lie that pornography is going to make us better lovers, that because we watch and see how it's, air quotes, supposed to be done, that we're going to be <laughs> good at it somehow. But but study, studies actually prove the opposite, that, that, that uh, pornography users have less love. They're more critical. They're worse performers because uh, they have this idealized ask, or idea of what sex is supposed to be like. And, yeah. and then even as you get into different types of pornography, you see issues with more disrespect and aggression um, and less willingness to stick around, less uh, fidelity, commitment to each other. Um, yeah. Which is just, yeah. So in all of that, there's this underlying idea of what pornography does to us. Mm-hmm. So when you open up your phone or your tablet or your laptop or whatever you use, like you're able to scroll through thousands, thousands of videos to pick exactly the mm-hmm. person and the scenario and the actions that you want. Mm-hmm. And so you are training yourself. We are constantly being formed. When we watch pornography, we are being formed and training ourselves 
to want select to want variety and our mm-hmm. own perfect selection and sexual desires. So when you get into marriage, the idea of this increased likelihood of infidelity and cheating mm-hmm. is because I am consistently engaging in this area where I can have whatever I want whenever mm-hmm. I want for sexuality. Marriage is not that. You yeah. have an, one spouse for your entire life what? and and they yeah yeah it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And they have sexual preferences and they have certain things they'll do and they won't do. And so you can't just computerize, objectify, mm-hmm. and do exactly what you want. Plus, it's the same person all the time. Like, you can't go and pick another person. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this issue when it comes to yeah. less likely to stick around is I'm used to variety. Like, what attracts me, what gets me aroused, what what makes me tick like in bed and sexuality yeah. is variety. Right. Mm-hmm. This this hair color, this person, this body type, this action, this place, this scenario. But I can't have that in marriage. I can't have that in relationship. And so I start to look other places right. for it. Well, and pornography and, and masturbation is a completely one-sided selfish act yes. of sexuality. Yep. Where true sexuality is a, a two-way. It's a mutual that there's as much about you and your pleasure, pleasure as it is about your partner. And so like... Pornography just conditions us to, it's what I need. It's what. No, that's good. And that, me. and that goes yeah. back to why it's a myth that once I'm married or serious about marriage, yeah. I'll be able to quit because Satan will not tempt you to have sex with your spouse. Cause that's not a temptation. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. temptation is now different. Yeah. It's to experience, experience different sexual things away from your spouse. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes porn and mm-hmm. that is in masturbation. And so like when you choose pre-marriage to, watch porn what you yeah i think this the science backs this up most likely you're going to choose other forms of sexual sin in marriage yeah like that's just the reality of it because the temptation now is not i don't know it doesn't just go away yes yeah 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 no and and i I once heard this quote and i think it's always kind of stuck with me that satan does his best gives all of his energy to have you get into bed before your marriage and then it drastically switch switches when you're married and he uses all of his energy and all of his power to try to get you to stay out of the marriage bed once you're married Mm -hmm. and so there's this flip that we've been trained to fight for purity pre-marriage and then we have to be trained to fight for for sexual relations in our marriages because he wants to give it to you in some other way. He wants to corrupt in any way what God's design is for it. Mm-hmm. So so in this, I think another harm that we want to hit on is it just normalizes sexual objectification. And so people, actual people, real life people with names and stories and family members are on the other end of that technological device. They are in those videos and we no longer see them as people. They are just a source for our own pleasure. They are just an object for us to use and to consume. We don't care what their story is. We don't care about what God's doing in their life. Like I will, I have never had anybody say, you know what? I was watching this pornography video <laughs> and my heart was just broken to pray for that girl or that guy on the screen. Like that's just not yeah. what we're, that's not what we're engaging in. Yeah. That's not a person on the other end, but it is. And we need to see him like that. And so our tastes become molded to that. And in that when when we use this word objectification, it's the idea of the personification of people being removed. So people are no longer people, they're objects. And when you watch pornography videos, there's another study. Again, all of these studies are coming pretty much from Fight the New Drug. You can go look them up for yourself and fact check everything we're saying. 
However, there's a, one of those studies that shows that in porn violence, like when there's things that are aggressive either verbally or physically, women are the subject of that 97% of the time. So again, remember, you're being formed. So if you consistently see that in pornography, your mind is now being trained to that. So it actually, whether you like it or not, is changing the way you view women in real life. Yep. Your family members... Your significant other, the people, the females or males who are in your classes, you are... Yourself. Yourself. Exactly. That's so good. <laughs> you are being trained. You're changing the way subconsciously. You have no control over it once it's in your eyes. Like you, you have to change it before it gets to there. And you begin to crave what you want on the screen. And so you, again, variety, not a person, your own sexual desires and sin. Like it's tough. Yeah. But there's a couple more. What else, what else do we want to hit? <sighs> Sex trafficking? Do it. This isn't. This is I'm, a huge one. That don't, I think, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> I've next. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like this one is the one that's most commonly overlooked. Mm. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh mm. for sure. Okay. You know when the other ones, it's like see the ties. Well, people don't. They don't. This one doesn't impact you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. The conversations I've had in the last three years around pornography have been a lot around oh, sex that's trafficking. Great. And that's just more so based off of Cornerstone. Yeah. Is that and I, yeah. The reason I don't think so is because all the other ones are, okay, this is how that's it's fair. impacting me. Yeah. This one is like, this is how it impacts others. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, how it literally drives slavery. Exactly. Like yeah. modern day slavery is sex trafficking. And so what happens is from these porn sites, a lot of profit is from non-consensual content, uh, content uh, and abuse. Uh, the Department of Justice National Center of Missing and Exploited Children recognized that pornography is an element that adds to sex trafficking issues um, because there's no way to know if some or if any consent is really given. Mm-hmm. There's there's a preying on of uh, women who, and you can say the quote if you want to, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Again, you did the research. But just this idea that we, don't, man, views drive money. Mm-hmm. Not just in porn. In uh, the, YouTube is huge right now. The number one job that middle schoolers want is to be a YouTuber and influencer because views tend to drive money. It's the same thing in porn. Like these sites that the the stat that you read out, the fact that there's more views on one porn site, which there's yeah. multiple porn sites mm-hmm. than Netflix. All those things combined, yeah. views tend to drive money because it because it brings ads. Therefore, mm-hmm. it brings a ton of money, and a lot of that money is going to come from organizations that are behind a lot of the sex trafficking. Yeah. And so there's just a reality that it dri- it drives us in modern day slavery and we don't see it, don't know it, don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. And, and so one, uh, this is a tangent that I don't have in here, but I wanted to add one of the studies I was reading that I didn't feel like perfectly fit, but I guess now it does is <laughs> they have done research that compares what the tobacco industry oh, did when they first good. started to recognize yeah. that cigarettes were cancerous. Yeah that tobacco industry started to push money towards their own sort of research to prove that tobacco was not a problem, that they could still advertise in the way. And so they fed this false research to people using their own money in order to make more money. And so now... What is it? Twenty years later, thirty years later, when from when cigarette and tobacco companies did that, like the porn industry is doing the same thing. No. They have hired their own consultants, their own agencies, their own research centers to conduct these what fight the new drug and many pornography organizations will say are false studies, saying this isn't actually a problem. All of this research backs that porn is healthy for people, and they're pushing that out in culture, and people are seeing that and they're saying, oh, this is fine. But really, it's all back to the same as the tobacco industry. It's a money scheme. Mm-hmm. They come and they want to try to make money off of us. We are the product they're selling. Yeah. 
Like that, when when we watch the videos, when we partake in pornography, we're not being the consumer. We're the product that's being sold to the people making those videos. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a really famous woman out there, and I'm. Her, Go ahead. I don't think it matters. her name is Mia yeah, Khalifa, I don't think it matters and at all. so former porn star. former porn star, and she's really really famous, and she is at a point now where she's past her pornography age i don't know exactly what the term would be but she's no longer actively making videos and she has come out and spoken against the harms of the porn industry as one of what was one of their most famous people ever and so i have this quote by her and it says she was approached at a very vulnerable age in life and she went back and shot a scene and it was terrifying and temporarily validating for her but afterwards she said i felt empty and she says corporations prey on young and callow women and trap them into legally binding contracts when they're at this vulnerable state. And so she looks back and she says that right now she no longer wants or consents to them using her videos or her images, but that porn companies are still making money off of that. Yeah. And one of the things that, again, I didn't have time to put into the outline, but you can go on to Fight the New Drugs Instagram page. And like once every like four or five posts, they post a testimony of hmm. someone who is like Mia or someone who has been in the porn industry that talks about how they weren't able to give consent, that they were abused, that they felt like they were legally binded into these things, and that, that sometimes there was this sex trafficking issue that was occurring. So you can see not just one testimony, but hundreds, if not thousands of testimonies of what the porn industry is corrupting and abusing these women. So, so tough. Otherwise, a couple of years ago, there was this one site that they saw again that there was women under age, under the age of 18 that were being promoted on these sites. But advocates for those young people would come and they'd flag these videos in order to have the, the porn site remove it. But consistently in the software and the rewiring of this company, they would bounce around those emails and those flags. They'd send them through so many loopholes. They'd send them through so many different check boxes that they'd get lost in the system and they'd never get dealt with. So they continued to make money off of videos that they knew were underage people, but they didn't care because they had it set up to report, but it never got addressed in the videos, never got taken down. And that company got in a ton of trouble a couple of years ago for it. One well, uh, another reason that porn tends to drive sex trafficking is what they say is um, pornography consumption usually leads toward paid sex behavior, mm. which is mm. prostitution. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's the case, what ends up happening is when prostitution is demanded more because if porn consumption goes, it continues to go higher. Therefore my drive for paid sex behavior, cause that's where I'm going to find it. Mm -hmm. I have to pay for what I'm seeing cause I'm not going to get it in relationship cause that's not the health, actually a healthy way to go about it. And so as prostitution gets raised up, that's when trafficking comes in. So because there's these, I don't know, companies is the wrong word. These organizations that control prostitution, well, they need to bring in more people, which is mm -hmm. where trafficking comes in because there's more, there's more sex paying for sex is happening. Mm -hmm. And that is being driven by pornography consumption. Mm -hmm. There's just a correlation between pornography creating a demand for prostitution because as you look at porn, you desire to go and actually experience it. Yeah. And, and we have other harms. There's like a couple more we could chat about. But at this point, I feel like, You've heard enough <laughs> to know like, I this hope, is not a good thing. I hope you understand this is not a good thing. And 
again, we've given you our sources and we've pointed you at resources like Google Pure Desires Ministries. It's a great Christian organization that's dealing with uh, like pornography use. There's so many good resources out there. Fight the New Drug. You could spend hours on their website just reading articles and studies and watching videos and seeing testimony of what the issues are here. So again, you can do more research if you want. Where I'd like to stop for a second now before we turn to resources that we want to equip for you. Like, if someone's listening, how do we just summarize and give them the idea that, like, they could they could say, well, it's just my sexual habits. Like, again, pornography isn't that big of a deal. Like, is there, like, how do we point people back to this idea that, you know, this is the Bible slash scientific design? Like, can we summarize some of what we just said again so that people hear it? I feel like you're looking for an answer that you already have, so you should just ask it because I don't know where you're going with no, the question. I, I Sorry, like, I'm trying to get it, but no, I don't know where you're at. I just asking. feel like people could listen to this and they could be like, "That's that those silly Christians or those silly Christians. They're so backwards. They're so 1990s. They don't. They're not with the times. They're so legalistic. They don't understand. They don't know what it's like. That like I feel like there's so many excuses out there to justify our sexual habits and patterns that when we put out a podcast like this. I hope people are receptive to the ideas and the truths we're talking about. But if they aren't, like what's another way where it's like realistically your sexual habits and patterns outside of God's designs are still broken. Yeah. I mean, pornography harms you and it harms others. I feel like that's kind of a synopsis of what we've been talking about, that it physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally all that changes you, mm-hmm. um, but then also continues to fuel harm and abuse and trafficking of yeah. others too. Yeah. I think that's good. I think it's just coming back to the idea that like, this is an issue and we need to address it. And we first have to understand it in our own lives before we're able to throw it on others. I think yeah. that's kind of where I wanted to, to end that idea. Regardless, we're going to turn to what is a little bit of a happier note, maybe, um, and, and point you towards resources or directions that we feel like can help you. So if you're on, or if you can extend to others who, who you could help, you know, if you're like, hey, I know my friend struggles with this, um, how do I help them or how do I help myself to overcome what you guys say is so hard to quit? Yeah. So number one, the same way that our brain gets affected by porn use is also a, not the same way we can fix it by not wa- you can't watch porn to fix your brain because of your <laughs> porn addiction or issue but the reality of just uh Romans 12 1 through 2 it's do not be conformed right to to this world the, it's incredible the inputs that we have how they drive mm-hmm. just our i think health in general mm-hmm. and so um I'm losing the actual. No, reference. no, no. I got you. It's uh, you. do not be uh, transformed or do not be. Right. Well, it actually starts yeah, Romans shoot. 12 1. It's like, therefore, I urge you, brothers, brothers and sisters, in view of God's, God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. sacrifices. Right. And I love that Paul uses that language to tie back into what could be 1 Corinthians 6, where he's talking about how the body is the Lord's. And so when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, we give all of who we are, including our sexual preferences, back to God. And then he turns and he says, this is your true and proper worship. And he turns and he says, therefore, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so Ben was talking about this idea that our brains are malleable. 
Malleable means moldable. They're changeable as the same way that our brains are being corrupted and hurt by pornography, that the frontal lobes are shrinking, that the gray matter is deteriorating. Those things can be built back up by the renewing of our mind, by being the transformation of focusing on God's will, on focusing on his desires, on focusing on his community and his church and the gospel. Those things can actually rebuild and reshape our mind back into what was the healthy pattern of what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Cool. The other one I would talk about, and then we can shoot some others, but John Elmore is this pastor down in Dallas who works with um, recovery. Like It's like a Celebrate Recovery program, but not that. It's something else that they do out of this big church that he's a part of. And he has worked with people who struggle with addictions for a decade as he was an alcoholic himself. And he, after working with these people for this decade, saw that he had things that he wanted to say on a bigger scale. And so he wrote this book called Freedom Starts Today. And it's a daily devotional that people can work through and they can focus on any kind of addiction-based pattern in their life or something they feel like they're stuck in. And he walks them day by day through community and confession, leading them to God's grace and God's goodness to find healing in their life. And so he's been doing this for decades down in Texas with people, and he's seen the life transformation. And now he's created a resource that you can have in your living room, in your backpack right now to walk alongside people and find freedom. And so I encourage you, if you're looking for something, you can check that out. I know people who have walked through that book and found healing because of the words that God's given John Elmore. So check it out. What else, guys? Yeah, you have to want to get well. Yeah. Right? Like you have to actually... And it's going to be harder for people who don't really think porn use is an issue. Mm -hmm. But you have to want to get well. That's one a reason Jesus actually asked the person who was blind if they actually wanted to see again. Yeah. Like, would you like to be healed? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to want to desire healing. And I, I go back to when I talk to people, there's, there's a reality in receiving well the forgiveness and love of God yeah, in good. the midst of this. And that starts with how do you forgive and love yourself? Yeah. And a lot of that for me is I'll point people to knowing that God desires for you to sit at the table even when you don't feel it and wants you to be in his presence at all times. He proved that through Jesus. And so a desire to get well starts with the reality of continuing to abide and rest in, in, in the reality of God wants you. Yeah. He loves you. Yeah. desires you to be with him. Um, and so receiving his forgiveness, uh, loving yourself well, you can't do it alone. Don't isolate. You just can't. That's why community is a huge part. Yeah. Confession is a part of, we actually confess to other people. Um, you have down, yeah, just Covenant Eyes is a resource that you can put on your phone that will link to any, you have to go through it to actually have any internet use. Mm -hmm. And so you can have an accountability partner that any type of keyword that has to do with porn, sex, anything like that will get sent to an accountability partner. Yeah. It's been a good resource that people have used that have worked for people. Um, but you got to desire it. One of those things that you said about sitting at the table, like God still desire for you, is I feel like if, you, if you're wanting to recognize that in the text, go read the story of the adulterous woman. Like she's a woman caught in sexual sin and dragged before the, the leaders yeah. of her town because in that time, they're... 
debatably, but an Old Testament practice would be to stone an adulterous woman. And so Jesus says, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. But in the language he uses, as he gives her grace, he says, therefore, go and sin no more. And so there's this reality that God desires something better for us while still giving us grace for our past mistakes. And that's that's incredible. Yeah. Like yeah. Jesus, the perfect person, Jesus, God himself, stands in front of this woman caught in sexual sin, extends grace, yet still calls her to something higher. So dope. Go, Jesus. <laughs> the last one that I would maybe point you to, and this isn't something currently running at Grace Point, but something that's happened in the past. So you can check with your local church if you're not around Brookings and ask, or you can start it and pioneer it yourself. Like it's a video series called Conquer, and it's a it's a, it's focused specifically on fighting pornography use and purity. Um, and so you could be a part of starting that at your church. If this is something you're really passionate about, that you want other people to come alongside you, it's a video series, so you don't really have to bring the content. You just have to be there to help facilitate discussion and help help others and yourself find freedom. And so ask about that, do some research on a couple of these things, but anything else to add? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just if you're a woman struggling with this, there's not a lot of good resources because no. most resources are, in Christianity are written for men. The Conquer mm. series is written towards men. Mm. There's a really, and I'm going to be so mad at myself because I'm not going to remember um, the name of the book. Uh, oh, shoot. Matthew Struthers wrote a book on just what, what porn does to our brain mm. and the wiring it does and how it affects our intimacy, but it's geared towards men. And so just even that like, when the resources that are out there are geared towards men, there's still good applicable things that can happen and that you can take as a woman. It's just, unfortunately, mm -hmm. sometimes it's harder. Yeah. But it's and still like John issue. Elmore's book is not a, it's not geared it's towards, not a, it's still written man. by a man. Right. So a lot of times empathetically, like you can't always connect. But for the most part, mm -hmm. I feel like it totally could be used both ways. Yes. This is kind of a side note, but along the same vein of uh, women struggling with this issue. I think as Christian women, in our pursuit to come alongside and love each other, we have to stop shaming each other for That's this. Hmm. And some of that needs to come within our own minds of how we view people who participate in pornography. Because I hear, I've heard women say, oh, well, I, I don't, you know, like, sh there's shame in that. And like, how, how dare you bring that up? If you are a woman and you have a friend who comes to you, be loving and gracious. Yeah, don't shame. Sure. And if you are struggling with pornography as a woman, ask for help. Yeah, that's good. It's not just a man's super problem. Good. Yep, it's ours too. Yeah, yeah. super good. Yeah, and something we haven't historically done well. Yeah, so time no, to do it well. Exactly. There you go. No better time than the present. Sweet. Well, this is a again another little bit of a random topic, but one we really recognize that in our people specifically, but mostly in all people, that it's an issue, and it's an issue we don't feel like God's okay with. And so we really wanted to bring some clarity here, some talk, some just conversation points. And if nothing else, you started to more deeply and critically think about a habit or that someone or you have struggled with. And so we pray God's best for you. We pray that you find freedom and that you decide to live into what God's called you to. So with that, we love you. If you need help, if you need resources, if you want to connect or talk to someone, you can always reach out to us. You can find us all on socials or you can find our emails at the Grace Point website. So peace out. We'll catch you next time.